Kia ora, welcome to Skeezy Bees. Um, gonna go off on a bit of a tangent today and focus on something I get a lot of questions about on at school these days, and that's um, Mister's World War Three gonna happen? Um, so we're gonna do a quick global roundup, like the, the world at war. Um, what wars or conflicts are going on? And what are the chances of them triggering um, maybe uh, direct intervention by New Zealand uh, at the lowest part of that, or outright like global war, um, a la World War One, World War Two? So I guess starting off with some of the lower frequency conflicts, um, there's generally a lot of nasty shit always going on in South America. Almost all of this um, can be directly linked to North America trying to stop South America from um, ever attaining some kind of, some level of power or independence. Um, this has been a long-standing geopolitical goal. Okay, and spoilers, a lot of this is going to be talking about America. Um, I can explain that later. So, long-term doctrine of North America, specifically the United States of America, has been to make sure that South America can never really organize or um, form a powerful um, form a powerful body on the international stage. Now, we are seeing some erosion of that status with the BRICS conglomerate. Um, BRICS being like, uh, I think it's fucking like Brazil, Republic of South Africa, China, Russia, um, sort of like a counterweight to the Western European and North American um, geopolitical bloc. Um, geopolitics, you, you hear this word thrown around a lot, it's basically like, um, think of the, the politics of uh, borders and the politics of space. So a, a geopolitical bloc, it's just the countries in that area that have banded together. Um, and then you've got, okay, really short little thing on geopolitics. It's like you've got stuff like um, the fucking Suez Canal, where it's such an important trade link because so many boats have to go through it. It has geopolitical importance, um, if, that, if that makes sense. So, yeah, South America generally pretty unstable. Argentina's election is just a fucking nightmare at the moment. Um, on one side, you've got, like, someone who claims to be taking advice from the, the ghost of their dead dog, um, who they claim to have met while fighting in a previous life in the gladiatorial arenas of Rome. As far as I can tell, this isn't a bit, this is a sincerely held belief. The other person is a Peronist, so um, that's fun. Um, Brazil is like generally doing cool things. Um, Lula is in charge. Lula is honestly one of the world's greatest leaders. Um, it's such a shame his project from like the 2010s got undermined and destroyed by Bolsonaro and co. Um, Hopefully his new tenure can sort of bring Brazil back. 
Um, and like Chile just continues to be depressing. Chile's been depressing since um, the 1970s. Don't don't look up Alien Day. You, you'll just get depressed. Um, so yeah, like then you've got ongoing conflicts in Colombia. You've got like Ecuador just like attempting to not get chain fucked by um, Western corporate concerns. Uh, but generally, uh, so partly due to geographic isolation, the only country that can project power over the South Americas is the United States of America, and weirdly enough, the United Kingdom. Um, let's go Falklands. Um, so, so, so there's not much chance of like a conflict between major powers, um, China. Like, like, simply speaking, China can't get there. China can't supply, realistically, can't supply at a, at a scale required for a large-scale war. Um, armed forces there. Same for Russia. Um, and even if there was the, like, the mythical North American-European split, which is not happening. Um, yeah, like, like it's, it's America's playground. Um... Lots of internal division, um, there's probably going to be a few civil wars, um, maybe even potentially a kick-up of the wars between Chile, Argentina, and Brazil at some point, um, so that'll be fun, but nothing major, most, most probable involvement from New Zealand is saying platitudes and sending, like, a container full of fucking, I don't know, butter to a city that just got bombed by pedonists. Um, so that's South America. North America, it's interesting. Um, you know, the United States has done a really good job of making Canada its bitch and completely suppressing any chances of, like, true Mexican independence from North America, um, you've got shit like, uh, there's like, you know, Cuba and stuff, but generally it's a very stable part of the world, and it's a stable part of the world because, um, you know, it's been well established that if you, like, you don't even have to start shit, you just have to, like, do things that mildly displease the United States, and they'll bomb you, um, so there's like, not much going to happen there. So I'll be talking about the United States a lot. I'll, I'll use this part to talk about that. I'll be talking about the United States a lot in this roundup because um, the United States is the world's primary actor on other nations. Um, they've got a, a wild amount, wild amounts of soft or like non-military power projection. Um, even though their productive capacity is lagging behind China, their economic power is completely unparalleled still. Um, which they exercise through um, things like the IMF, um, which should be nonpartisan, but is entirely captured by the United States of America. Um, and yeah, the United States of America uses the soft power and increasingly uses their hard power or their, their military forces to 
influence the world. Their, their primary thing they like to do, um, and this is a pattern you can see repeated over the past like 50 years, is basically just like fuck a place up. Um, it's good for them, it boosts arms sales, it prevents rivals from becoming powerful, um, and it, it gives them justification for their military industrial complex. Um, so you see, for example, in Yemen, where, uh, 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 like, America creates conditions where the war just goes on forever, um, and that works really well for them. Really, so something that's going to be very interesting to see, um, when we skip ahead is Ukraine, but we'll go Africa next. Um, now, I honestly think Africa is a toss-up. It's a toss-up between Africa and Southeast Asia, but there's just some like weird shit in Southeast Asia that makes me put it like slightly higher as a candidate for triggering, triggering world war. Um, the thing with Africa, as it always has been, is it's just such a big, juicy lump of resources. Um, everyone gets instant boners, uh, geopolitically speaking, um, when they see Africa, this little collection of states that are like kept in poverty despite their vast material wealth, despite their vast, like, honestly, um, the wealth uh, and creativity of the people who live there, um, the, like, the, the, like, intellectual and creative achievements of Africans is so fucking astounding. Like, I honestly encourage you, like, and cultural too, I encourage you to try, like, do some research just on, like, um, one of the ones you probably know of is like Ugandan filmmakers are just making like the best fucking like ridiculous movies at the moment on like budgets of five dollars um but a lot of like the academic research that's coming out a lot of this academic research <laughs> uh, driven by um the awful conditions that they've been bound into um it's it's like it's so it's so like it's so impressive and so fucking depressing that like uh, 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 it, it gets ignored um so the weirdly enough so the, the major players here we've got south africa um which is a weird one um they've definitely pulled back since um you know n not being white dominated anymore but the interesting thing about south africa is their military is still very much run by the whites um, while the government is very much run by uh, the, uh, I, I guess as the South Africans would say, the bleaks. Um, but, yeah, so South Africa has an influence on the rest of the continent, but they're not doing what they were doing in the 80s, where they were like actively intervening um, in other states. Um, I'm not an expert on conflicts in South Africa, but the, the big ones going on at the moment are Sudan, I think Mali, and uh, the Ethiopia Tigray. Um, Ethiopia Tigray especially is just like extremely fucking depressing, and you've probably never heard about it, but it is, I think, the worst humanitarian crisis ongoing. Um, yes, that includes the uh, Israel's genocide of uh, Gaza. Um, so that's fun. Um, yeah, like, 
generally lots of internal conflict. There's really weird shit you've got, like France is trying to like write the scoreboard on Algeria by going into Mali. Um, you've got like lots of lots of weird UN interventions where basically like the United States pays the UN to pay, I think it's like predominantly Nigeria and Congo. Um, to like sign up soldiers as UN soldiers to send to other African countries to like try and stabilize them but stabilize them in a way that's like favorable towards uh, rules-based international order um, that's a fun one so rules-based international order is like a bit of a catchphrase of um, North American and European and Australian to be honest um, like international relations people uh, and it, it, it essentially means our rules um, not yours um, it's usually used as like a bit of a cudgel against say China um, against um, you know Iran and so forth for the crimes of I honestly don't know I think it's stuff like like China will like claim that a particular island is theirs um, or, or something and they'll like make a huge fuss about that but like drone striking um, countries with no judicial process that's fine that's like all above board in a rules based international order um, just like an insane double standard basically is what, what pisses me off about it um, so yeah but the thing with Africa is like I don't know the, the, the global uh, hegemony has done a really good job of keeping those conflicts isolated within Africa. There's not very much like exporting of those fights. Um, there's quite a bit of Chinese and Russian involvement in these African wars. Well, actually, no. There's a lot of Russian involvement in the wars. Um, the Wagner Group, you might have heard of from um, Ukraine, has several operations in Africa, generally all of them miserable, um, and China has, 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 has a growing investment in Africa. It's part of their Belt and Road Initiative. Africa is a core part of their strategy to develop um, resource um, interdependence, honestly. Um, and they're doing the thing where they're trying to develop the economies of their places they're investing in rather than the like austerity uh, misery politics of maybe more IMF styled investments um, still you know in investing to like build up the strength of China predominantly just kind of a more chill approach I guess um, one, one that's necessary because China can't do the thing America does um where they like blow your shit up if you fuck with them I guess um, yeah so like tagging onto the America thing so outside of uh, Southeast Asia and East Asia and West Asia I guess um, China lacks power projection um, China can't send armed forces to the other side of the globe essentially um they can send a shitload of forces to any countries that neighbour them and maybe uh, within a short distance of them um, but they can't project power in the same way that 
America or honestly even the United Kingdom can um, yeah like it's kind of weird like you've got like a weird potential war scenario where like China and Australia fight a limited war over fucking I don't know Malaysia or Micronesia or some fucking random bullshit um, and their, their military forces are on like outside of the range of Chinese hypersonic missiles their forces are like relatively balanced um, which is kind of insane to think about um, just because like it's the forces that China can project because um, Australia has like excellent like the percentage of Australia's armed forces that can be sent overseas is extremely high as a percentage of their total armed forces um, whereas for China it's extremely small um, yeah anyway um, moving on to the next area so sort of Asia East Asia um, we'll say um, is next and the big flashpoint that people like to like point at is China Taiwan um, and like the, 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 the implicit idea there is that China will attack Taiwan I think that's personally I think that's highly unlikely um, it doesn't really line up with China's strategy as far as I'm aware um, a lot of their military is built around destroying American carrier groups um, a lot of their military investment they've invested in um, high quality strike planes to you know, dogfight their planes um, but also hypersonic missiles to sink their carriers um, there have, has not been a similar investment proportionally in precision bombing um, equipment in um, strike planes and so forth which you would expect for the invasion of what is honestly a fortified island um, China's, China's uh, military layout is defensive largely um, but that can be deceptive um, fucking Chinese peasants with like bolt action rifles um, managed to complete a wildly successful offensive assault on well-equipped American forces whether or not that's still the case the Chinese got like their asses kicked by the Vietnamese um, so it's it's kind of difficult to like gauge their power they don't have very much power projection um, like you know theoretically China could go to war for Taiwan I doubt they could even take Taiwan in a hot war um, they in short in sh in like in a, in a short amount of time um, over a long period China could absolutely take Taiwan um, one thing that's going to be very interesting to see is how much of China's civilian production can be retooled into military production. Um, I suspect the Chinese economy is in a similar state to the American economy before World War II, where it's just sort of like a couple of uh, bolt turns away um, from being a fully activated war economy. Now, the weird area that China has an edge against America in 
is the American military is extremely inefficient with the money that it spends. You might have seen like the stupidly ridiculous American budget um, on their military. So much of that cost is defrayed through consulting. It's defrayed through um, like projects that are literally like it's 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 like reinventing the wheel. Um, there's shit like the F-35, which still doesn't have, um, wartime combat readiness, um, despite the huge sum spent on it, um, such a ridiculous plane. Like, the technology behind it is so fascinating and so advanced, um, but the actual platform itself is still not wartime capable it's like such a it's such a, a like a glass cannon um essentially they're so like <sighs> unreliable is maybe the wrong word but it's kind of like they they wouldn't last long in a war like america would if, if if they were depending on the f-35s america would want to finish the war before time came time for maintenance for their fleet because they're not going to be able to maintain air superiority based on that. Now, you know, thankfully the Americans have, well, thankfully, I guess it depends on who you are. If you're um, mainland Chinese, it might not be thankfully. Um, the American inventory has literally billions of planes. Um, so they should be fine. I, I'm not so sure on their manufacturing capacity. They've been struggling to keep up supplying artillery shells to the Ukraine war, which is extremely limited and small scale. Um, so that's kind of like an interesting angle to think about. But I don't think China's going to attack anyone. Um, a more likely scenario than China invading Taiwan is either, um, you know, Japan, South Korea, and North America either preemptively attacking North Korea or China on the pretext of threats against Taiwan or threats against South Korea. Um... If they, if they see an opportunity to get some quick concessions, do sort of like a quick humiliation, I don't think there's that opportunity. And the fact that North Korea has like multiple atomic warheads worth of artillery shells pointed directly at Seoul, um, I think is an effective deterrent there. Um, so I don't think, I don't think we're gonna see that come down. What could potentially happen is India, China. Um, those of you who have been following will know that India has been overtaken by the Hindu Vida mo movement, which is essentially Nazism, but for Hindus. Um, it's not great. It's not fantastic. There's lots of internal struggles going on. Um, we'll see where Modi goes with it, basically. It's kind of hard to say. Um... But there's a potential for a flare-up with Pakistan, or Bangladesh, or China. Um, that's, that seems potentially likely um, if Modi needs, like, de de declares a war to flex kind of thing. But even then, I think it's much more likely to see a civil war or sort of like a repression within India than it is to see India um, exporting its violence. Now... The Russia-Ukraine war is sort of like the next highest trigger, but I think the like 
trigger point for that has kind of gone. I think if Ukraine collapses, there's a potential to see some kind of limited expansion of war. Um, but that's really hard to say. It's it's a whole thing. Um, yeah, like... Basically, like, when the Israel-Hamas thing kicked off, uh, it was it was like in Toy Story where... Um, the fuck it is it Andy drops Woody and says I don't want to play with you anymore and like the nightmare or whatever it's like that kind of thing like <laughs> Ukraine has just dropped off the map Zelensky has stopped being invited to like speak at every parliament in the world um Canada's stopped giving standing ovations to former SS soldiers um yeah like Ukraine's kind of dropped off the face of the map the really interesting thing about Ukraine is it's given us a glimpse of what modern war between major powers would look like because um, the Americans and Western Europe basically put all their fun new toys into Ukraine to see how they'd go. One big thing we discovered is all this like precision, um, satellite guided, $500,000 per shot missile shit is kind of worthless. Um, all the super high tech stuff that was given to Ukraine wasn't available in high enough quantities or with enough reliability to turn the tides on anything. The thing that still makes the biggest difference is just lots of big cannons that shoot explosive bombs over 20 miles. Like, artillery has just been absolute king. And the thing is, the Russians have a direct line to North Korea, who... <laughs> are the only people who've been making industrial quantities of artillery shells. It's so fucking wild that North Korea is, like, the most important arsenal for artillery shells in the world. Um, they've outdone America. Like, they're kind of low-key goaded with the source when it comes to supplying people with artillery shells. Um, so, yeah, like... <laughs> Russia's just been buying bulk loads of these shells um, and just blasting the Ukrainians to pieces. And the Ukrainians have, you know, the most modern tanks. They've been getting modern fighters. Um, they've been getting, like, advanced systems like HIMARS um, and a few others. And none of it's mattered because the thing that matters is dudes with assault rifles and artillery. That's... it's. It's kind of insane that like this 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 like Cold War envisaging of the of uh, of the next world war, which would be like all mechanized and there's tanks going back and forth and there's this great importance of like the air war and air superiority and helicopters, and it all just ended up being artillery and fucking sacks of meat. Um, the Russians have been super competent on defense. Um, they've essentially, their strategy is they take a bit of land, they set up a defensive line, the Ukrainians attack the defensive line, and the, the Russians just fucking obliterate everything with artillery fire, and then they move on and take a little bit more. Um, that's been, like, the status quo for the past six months. Before that, the Ukrainians had a pretty successful breakout, um, but they haven't been able to replicate that. There was the whole Wagner thing, that's in the past now, um... Yeah, generally what we're seeing is just sort of like a slow collapse 
of Ukraine as they run out of soldiers, as they run out of equipment. Um, they're running out of artillery shells and artillery's king. They're just not able to compensate. That kind of sucks. Um, one of the big things about that war has been the use of like off-the-shelf small, small drones. Um, there are people who are like... Ba basically, um, they make like a little catch on the drone... Um, activated by a photovoltaic cell and a light, right? So you push a button on the remote, it shines the light, it turns on like the drone's lights, which hit the cell and then open a catch, um, if that makes sense. It's something that like you can make for five bucks. Um, and then they put like a little wee grenade on it with a string on the pin, so when the grenade falls, the pin gets removed and the grenade is armed. Um, some of them will put like little fins on them and shit. But, like, there are people who've been getting, like, training, and, like, they can basically drop one of these grenades through an open hatch in a tank. Um, and they've been, like, destroying tanks that way. Um, they try to find artillery sites and drop the grenades into, like, the stacked shells to be fired. Um, the drone warfare has been huge, and, like, suicide drones have been huge. Um, but difficult to manage. Because you can just, like, blanket an area in radio waves. You can do some jamming and just, like, they all fall out of the sky. It's kind of funny. There's, like, this really sci-fi-looking um, radio gun that just shoots, like, a cone of um, electromagnetic radiation. Um, and it just, like, it just, like, zeroes drones. Um, but that's sort of, like, another element of modern warfare. Another thing has been, like... Um, people posting selfies and then people on the other side geolocating and fucking calling in drone strikes on them, um, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah, so that's like the Ukraine thing. Um, I just put it above Southeast Asia because there is an actual war going on, and I know that states, especially Poland, um, basically want a chance to escalate a war against Russia, but also know that their allies will get fucking mad at them if they do. So I'm not sure if that's actually going to happen. <sighs> okay, so now for like the actual juice. So this is the most likely catalyst for some kind of global war. Um, and that's because it's like, it's, it's where all the oil is. And, you know, if Al Capone or whatever was involved in this, he would say you don't fuck with oil while like hitting someone in the chest with a finger. Um... A hot war between Iran and even Israel is going to lead to some fuckery. Um, this is basically because Iran's deterrent. They're like, they're like, don't invade us, please, because they don't, they don't want to fight a fucking war. Um, they're happy to like, you know, um, sponsor terrorism, like you know, basically every country in the world. Um, they're happy to, um, you know, train Hezbollah. Um, they're happy to have, like, some low-intensity conflicts. They don't want a fucking war. Um, but their, like, insurance against that is they've basically got missiles pointed at every single major bit of oil infrastructure in Saudi Arabia and Qatar and Abu Dhabi, um, Kuwait, Iraq. Um, so if, if a hot war starts, like, one of the first things that's going to happen is all of those places I just said, 
all of their oil infrastructure is just going to get zeroed in seconds. Now, what does that do for the global stage? Um, one big thing is Russia becomes the richest country in the world overnight because they're the only ones with like large scale, like continental scale um, oil and gas delivery left um, on the Eurasian continent, um, which is Europe and America's worst nightmare. They don't want they don't want Russia getting that insanely wealthy. Um, it also means that probably Europe is going to have to call ceasefire in Ukraine um, just to get energy from Russia. Like that would give Russia such a powerful bargaining chip, even with the Nord Stream pipelines out of action. Um, so that's like the first thing that happens. But then it's just like there's no clean way for America to do it. It's not Iraq. It's not Afghanistan. Um, they don't have the coalition they did for Afghanistan. Um, like, America can't beat Iran quickly or easily. They can probably do it over a really long period of time and with a lot of losses, but they're not, they're not going to, like, one and done invade Iran. Um, and compounding this is fucking with oil fucks with China. Um, so it's potentially likely that there's more, I th like personally, I think there's more chance of China going to war, getting involved in an interventionist way into a Middle Eastern conflict than there is China getting involved into a war with um, its neighbours. Um, there's so much more to lose. Um, on those international wars. Um, yeah, like, as much as the world's focus at the moment is all on Israel and Gaza, that does not seem to be um, the Western European and American focus, which the, the target targeting reticule immediately went over Iran. Um, they've wanted to have a war with Iran for a really long time. I don't know why. Um, I have seen multiple news reports. I do not know how well verified that the reason Israel has halted its ground offensive is because the United States insisted that they deploy 40% of their missile weaponry, um, Patriot missile systems, um, and THAAD systems um, in the Middle East before they attack. Um, if that's true, then that, that tells me that they're expecting an expansion of the conflict. How far that conflict expands, yeah, I don't know. Um, I would say if, if a war in the Middle East went hot and involved at least the United States of America and most Middle Eastern countries in some way or shape or form, New Zealand would probably get involved in a humanitarian role. If China got involved, we would probably be roped into joining um, an Australasian, like a, an Anglophonic, so like English-speaking alliance against China, which would not end well 
for basically anyone so hopefully that doesn't happen um yeah thank you for listening to a depressing episode of easy